This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That's Emily Van Busker. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm hanging in there, Dan, by more than a thread. Yes. (laughs) No, we all have a couple threads left. It's the off season now, though. So like, it doesn't feel like the off season to me. You told me that you're going to the Senior Bowl and Super Bowl week, so that's different. But for those of us who... Our focus is college football. It's the off season. <laughs> now we're like stretching out a little bit, relaxing, you know. Oh my God. All good. Yeah. I mean, it works for me, but you're still busy for the time being. Yeah. It's funny because you feel like the national championship is kind of this end, you know, period to the season and, and what a chef's kiss it was. I feel like, and especially in that second mm-hmm. half, but quarter. Yeah. Right. Well, and everybody says that. Okay. But the second half as a whole was just such a different vibe. Um, mm-hmm. but anyways, you, you feel like that's the exclamation point, but then you don't realize like there's things like the, you know, tropical bowl, the senior bowl, the, um, the, the hula bowl just happened. The hula, yeah, exactly. played at the bounce house again. Yep. Exactly. So you have all these events that are important to college football because it's it's a send off for these guys that we spent all year talking about and their transition and where they're going to fit in the NFL. And it's this beautiful union, January and February of NFL and college where we get to see the future, you know, and, and our opinion as college writers is important to NFL people for once. So I like this time of year, but there really isn't an end to anything ever that's That's fair because like (laughs) i know that people who like cover the coaching carousel closely Mm -hmm. were like so relieved when it was over and then hawaii just opened up too oh my god i was talking about that with my mentor kevin gemmel who used to write for espn Mm -hmm. and he's really good friends with graham because he covered him at asu very like they were you know when he was friends with his wife on facebook and he texted me and he was just like todd graham like what is happening why And I don't understand it because the guy that I know from all these years of coaching in the Pac-12, I don't understand. I cannot reconcile who this person is that they're saying said all these things and was awful. You know, I mean, the the state Senate, when you have a state Senate hearing about your conduct and how the program is being run, that's just it's time to I I don't know Todd Graham at all. I I don't Mm -hmm. personally know him at all. I do take allegations of that stuff pretty seriously myself because i just don't like yeah. to downplay it ever because you know you don't know yeah. and i just think you take it seriously and look into it i don't know i don't know why he took that job is it is an incredibly difficult job i don't really know anything about where they're going to go next i know some people say bring back june jones bring in timmy chang who was a great quarterback there mm-hmm. i just don't know what you do yeah. next because that program's in such dire financial straits to it. That that's a mess out there of a program. And I love Hawaii football. So I hate that. That's yeah. what it is right now. It's but insane. Yeah. But yeah, but exactly though, but those stories happen in the off season. So the coaching carousel is going again, really like you mentioned, like all the draft prep, it's going to be the next month of all of a sudden these draft and, and like analysts are going to be talking about Kyle Hamilton. Like, look at this play he made against Florida state that I've been talking <laughs> about for months because you know, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. We do have, it just changes gears a little bit. It's a little bit less. All the yeah, time. it's like a shift. Yeah. yeah. I think we're downshifting from like fourth gear to third or second gear. <laughs> June's like. I've never gear. driven stick, so I don't, I don't well, know. Well, it's fine. I've only ever played the arcade games because it doesn't seem like a skill I need <laughs> in the modern world. Don't mean to brag. Automatic. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Love that for you. Love that for you. <laughs> I know. Isn't it special for me? Uh, yeah. No, uh, you had mentioned, though, that the national championship game, you were actually there. So I was wondering if you mm-hmm. could just, before we dive into some AAC talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, you know, 
a matchup we've seen before. And I think heading into it, everybody was, I mean, not everybody was excited. A lot of, you know, people on the other side of the country were excited. You know, if you talk to people about that game out here, it was just kind of like, again, here we go. But um, after all the Cincinnati hype, which, you know, didn't pan out. Uh, I, I think, okay. I thought that we talked about this. I thought they we were did. fine compared I to know. any other semifinal I know. team. But I, I, and I agree with you, but they had to be better than fine. It's like, I get it because as a female in this industry, I have to not just be good. I have to remember every player from the 1950s to be considered. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I do just, because otherwise, oh, you don't know who auto exactly. Like, you don't college. really care. Right. Exactly. So I get it. I can relate to them in that it's unfair that it's this bar, but it's the reality of the situation is you're carrying a lot on your shoulders and you had to be perfect and they just weren't. And that's okay. You know, but does it have a ripple effect into letting, you know, group of five schools in? Yeah, of course it sucks, but that's what it is. So I think after all that excitement, we look at the Alabama Georgia game and we're like, okay, there's this great storyline between Saban and Kirby smart and what's going to happen master and apprentice, which is what I wrote about. Mm -hmm. Um, the atmosphere was incredible. Indy was freezing, by the way. It was like negative. And yeah, I didn't bring a coat. I was like, no. Well, that was a mistake. Yeah. But Kim and I were like, how cold? She lives in Newark, by the way. And she didn't bring a coat either. And we were both like, how cold is it? Seven degrees, really? You know? It's very cold, especially yeah, if it's windy it was, at all. It was freezing. We took yeah. a scooter from our apartment to lunch one day and almost died. So, uh, cold weather kept a lot of people indoors, but I will say this, the, the committee, the college football committee did a great job with the events. Mm -hmm. They rolled out the convention center. Like they had, uh, it was incredible for the fans. Yeah. So. I mean, that's awesome because I know there's some people complaining about India's location, like specifically the Atlantic journal, sorry, the Atlanta journal constitution they had a whole article huh. cold and expensive indie to host like southern georgia okay. Alabama. expensive that relative to that was the title That's like expensive say. relative to certain places but i think for the most part it was nice was, but, break for me anyways <laughs> what, what i was gonna say though is i've never been to indianapolis but uh -huh. all i've heard is it's you know a little bit of a boring city but a pretty efficient one it was like, fine it does a, it does the job it's supposed to it's nice and it's clean. And if you live in a place like New York or San Francisco or anywhere like Florida, like I think it's going to feel like a more congenial Midwestern clean city, like a good atmosphere. People were friendly um, there. You know, there's good bars. We went to St. Elmo Steakhouse and that was obviously a big draw for people. The food is incredible because you have we went to this place. Oh, my gosh. You ever go to Indy, go to the food truck hall it's in, um, it's outside of downtown and, uh, I tweeted about it. So you can go to my Twitter and check it out, but basically it's an indoor food truck hall and you can get food, all kinds of different foods in this one place. And it was the best food I ever, ever tasted. I did a ranking on my Twitter. So if you want to go check that out, um, it was yeah. incredible. I love places like that. I yeah. know the Orlando area has several places where it's just like a food truck area. They're mostly yeah. outdoor because you know, they because don't have to be yeah, indoor. Exactly. <laughs> so if you think Indianapolis is boring, that's on you for not getting out and exploring the city and what it has to offer. Um, we stayed at the, near the media hotel, you know, it was great running into people in the hallways. You got to see all the announcers and, uh, former legendary coaches. I got into an argument with David Pollock outside while he was waiting for his food to be delivered. So that was really fun for me. Would you walk up and just shout roll tide at him? No, he, no, no. So this goes way back, but we have a history and I told him one time that I thought the PAC 12 was the best conference in college football because, Years ago, this was like three years ago. Good. Or top to bottom, the Pac-12 is better than most conferences because you have an, a bottom team that can actually win games. Okay, excuse me, Vanderbilt and once upon a time Arkansas. So at the time we had this argument, that things were different. Okay, Stanford hadn't fallen off the wagon. USC wasn't dealing with what they're Arizona dealing with. Arizona couldn't win a game this year. Yeah, I gotcha. Yes, the last. Two or three years have not been good. But prior to that, which is when I started this argument, I think the bottom team was what? Oregon State, and they still won four games. So look back three years ago. 
I don't know off the top of my head, but Oregon State feels correct for that. I'm telling you it's true because I was referencing it. Okay. And Colorado, like those teams still win games, but you still have Vanderbilt three years Colorado's ago. Colorado's weird. They randomly will win like nine games yeah. every fifth year. Exactly. So, and that's, I think, because the level of competition across the board is just good. It's, it's bit, hard to play. I think it's a little bit more equal. Everyone's a little bit more equal. Great. So, yes, the Pac-12 yeah. doesn't have an Alabama. They don't have a Clemson. Yes, we understand that. Yeah. But that doesn't make them a bad conference. In fact, I would love to see Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, whoever, come into the Pac-12 and survive a full slate, which I don't think they could. So, anyways, that's neither here nor there. And we got into an argument, whatever. Fast forward to game day. I'm walking in the hallways, and I saw him, and I was like, I just – he we crossed paths. And I was like, Pac-12, and he's like, sucks. Just yelled it out. So that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I, I digress. Anyways, the the Lucas Oil Stadium was incredible. Um, should have opened it, the roof uh, for the game. I mean. <laughs> make, make those two play a winter game. It was, it, you know, the fans were loud. The, the rivalry between the fans was great. There were some guys with signs next to me, Georgia fans, that were hilarious. Um, it was good atmosphere. Was it Clemson LSU from New Orleans? No, no. but was it because on TV it looked mm-hmm. more Georgia than Alabama? Was that how it was there? I it depends on the angle they show. Where I was sitting, I was in an auxiliary press box. So I was actually out in the stands, which was awesome because you get a lot of environment um feeling and i was in a georgia section okay, so, so where i yeah. was it was a lot of georgia and then across the way was all the alabama and yeah. it's all red so it's really hard to tell but i would say at times the georgia fans were louder now maybe that's just because they're a little rowdier than alabama fans i will say that or uh, yeah they or were they were throwing i don't know if you saw my video but they were throwing beer bottles onto yeah. the field after a, a play call they didn't like by the referees. And then they proceeded to dump full beers on the photographers in the end zone. I, it was did, wild. Yeah, I did see that. And they were confirmed Georgia fans. So, you know, it was well, Georgia fans don't hide that they're Georgia fans. Right. I but I, I'm just, I think I'll, it's weird to say, but Alabama fans were more civilized. In Alabama fans have regard. been there before. Let's yeah. That's, and that's another a, thing. I was happy for Georgia fans because it had been so long for all of, 24-ish hours on then they started to annoy me just on social media where it was like mm. all right you can all be quiet now like calm down yeah kirby smart after the game was a lot he got up there and 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 said some things like talking about there's going to be some property destruction in indy tonight and that you know, he i don't was, think kirby's the smartest guy off right the it was definitely not that way. it was not great that part uh the coolest part was quavo being there um he had bet drake I think $150,000, I don't know, a lot of money they bet on the game. And Quavo, being a Georgia fan, um, was out on the field after for the celebration, was in the locker room with the guys. He had a picture with him and Stetson Bennett. I think the other funny part was Bennett's interview the next day. (laughs) On Good Morning America, where his eyes were still closed. Clearly, clearly drunk. And, And I can't confirm or deny that, but I did talk to one of my buddies who was with Quavo in the tweet suite. And it is confirmed that they were out. I mean, he was pulling on Pappy Van Winkle after the game. Yeah. So I don't know how he made it up for that interview. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked. We didn't get out of there till we didn't get out of the stadium till about two. Yeah. Um, And then we, we stayed up all night. We went to the airport at five. We just stayed up because there was just no point. So yeah, it was crazy. That's a long night. It was, but it was incredible. You know, the second half was the game we deserved to see. Um, you know, I was, I was surprised cause I really thought, you know, Bryce was going to do it, but they put so much pressure on him and he just couldn't well, the injury to, uh, Jameson Williams, of course so, yeah. that, you know, and then the whole controversy with that, he wanted to play and Alabama actually, he had an not ACL tear. They, yeah. they did the right thing, not letting, I him agree. Play. And I think that goes to speak, you know, everybody's saying, oh, they don't care about these kids. You know, they some do. Some people don't. Some people do. You know, it, Nick Saban cares. You know, I was gonna say it's hard to make general sweeping statements like that, yeah. but and it's hard to make them in either direction. But yeah, no, Nick Saban, I think, showed this year that he does really care about his players. Yeah, I think we I saw think a side of him because he's, he's getting older. You he, know, he's yeah, he's less robotic than I think yes. he used to be. You More know, compassionate. Just, you know, 
and and you saw it with him and Kirby. That to me, that was the best part of the game is watching them interact afterwards, mm-hmm. hearing them speak about each other in the post games. And there was no anger or bitterness. There was just admiration and respect. Mm-hmm. And I think it was such a refreshing thing to see with all of the coaching scandal and all of the bad stuff going on in college football. That right there for me was like the moment of the game where these two coaches really respected each other. And honestly, without Nick Saban, you don't have this Georgia championship. So I think acknowledging that is important and Kirby smart did. And it was kind of cool. Like if you're an sec fan, this was just amazing. You know, this was top for you. So the rest of us, it was like expand uh, the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, so like an expanded playoff wouldn't have changed who played in it this year, but maybe it would have made the preceding games more entertaining. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, or maybe over time, if more teams can get into the playoff, the talent distributes a little bit more evenly. We're not, everyone's going to four or five schools that can actually make it. You know, I don't know what the future is going to hold for anything, but I know that they were meeting at the they did nothing. Um, Jim Phillips is blocking it. Yeah. Right and, and all the reporters were trying and, to cover it and everybody's trying to, I was like, what? We're not going to get anything out of this. Like, I don't really want to talk about playoff expansion right now because it's inevitable and just being delayed by, in my opinion, just different egos who got bruised. And I think Jim Phillips is trying to force Notre Dame into the ACC, which that's a conspiracy, but it's something I truly believe that he's trying to make it just a little bit harder for them to get in so that they might join, but that's not happening. Yeah. Let's talk about the AAC instead of that whole sideshow that that would be. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're probably, we're just going to do a quick recap now of the AAC season, go, kind of go team by team. Just now that's sunk in a little bit, what we thought about, what was good, what was bad, you know, what we think the future holds, just a little light conversation yeah. about each team. I'm going to go kind of top school, bottom school, top school, bottom school, and meet in the middle, I think, for our, oh, okay. for our order. Yeah, change it up a little bit because I don't like going top school. Like since a great year, Houston, great year. Then by the end, you're like, yeah, that stunk. Yeah, that was rough. Bad year for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are you going to start top or bottom? I'm going to start top, then go bottom. And I should point out that this is based on the standings that the AAC's website has. So the bottom three all have the same one and seven conference yes. record, but it's just alphabetical order. I no, no, it's not. No, never mind. I'm not. just going to the I don't order. Know. I don't know Let's what see. order. It'll it's oh. by their overall. So yeah. So yeah. yeah. And then US of Tulane. Gotcha. Anyways, let's start with Cincinnati. <laughs> That's just actually, you know, it's interesting as I think because uh, just really quick, I think because uh Tulane has the worst home record. That they're because South Florida was two of four. Quickly expose yourself. Does T come before S in the dictionary or not? (laughs) Q R S T U V. No, S Temple should be above South Florida. Yeah, South Florida. That's alphabetical. Yeah, yeah, that's alphabetical. Come on. So Temple should be below, but they're not because they were three and nine. They played less games. No, they're both two and ten according to this three nine for Temple. (laughs) Temple's three and nine. Yeah, three and nine overall, and then they're two and four home, one and five away. But see how I think. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't we're going with what they've got, though. It's That's not weird. It's okay. not the end of the world. It only makes so much difference. I ooh, I'm. That's this is complete side of thing. I've got the uh, playoff game on mute right now. Some Cardinals players not moving on the field, so that's bad. Oh, no. Yeah, I can't tell who it is. That's a whole other side thing. That's just in the background here. That's. Yeah, that looked really bad. Uh, Cincinnati season, though. Uh, the Bearcats, obviously the undefeated regular season conference champion, mm-hmm. made it to the playoff. We've got, I understand your v- viewpoint that they needed to do more. I think they did it yes. just as well as anyone else does. And I agree that there's a double standard, but I don't care in terms of how I personally judge this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't say this was anything but a complete success of a season. They hit everything that they thought that they might have a chance to at the start of the year. They got some help along the way. Don't get me wrong to make the playoff because if Oklahoma state gains half a yard more at the end, mm-hmm. the Cowboys are a playoff team instead of Cincinnati, most likely. Yeah. You know I mean, it helped that Clemson took a step back and they ACC lost its spot helped that the PAC 12 remained the way the PAC 12 is where it eats itself alive and Oregon couldn't get out of its own way and just beat Utah. You know? Yeah. But, they did the things that they went out to do this year. They beat Indiana on the road, who turned out to be terrible, but not the point. And they went into <laughs> Notre Dame, who turned out to be very, very good, and won at Notre Dame. And that was 
a huge season, probably the best season in program history, and that needs to be applauded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not arguing that what they did isn't great. It's just they had to be perfect, and they couldn't be, I, and, and that's... And I understand what you're saying. If the like, final sucks. score of that game was 27-24 and they lost, it would have been different, but they lost by three touchdowns. I get Yeah. That was rough. I, I will say this though. I, so when I was in Indy, we, we went to the reception for Luke fickle as uh, coach of the year. Yep. And we spoke to him a little bit about, you know, different things. We were able to actually interact with him in person, which was great because everything else was virtual, which is the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had some really interesting things to say about rule changes. Um, he said that if he could change one rule, it would be, um about targeting he was like oh, we're, i heard we're that taking I think, too did many video up of that? i did i tweeted yeah, out a video it. of it that's where i saw I, it i thought it was really interesting um it's definitely worth checking out his words on yeah. that but he was basically like we have to stop taking players off the field like that i think he's 100 right i think it should yeah. be like a flagrant foul in uh basketball where there's a flagrant one and a flagrant two like you can do it once and then you get kind of like a warning or the way on sports like conduct is done where you get one in the seconds where you get ejected because it, a lot of times these are incidental, uh, you know, targeting calls, like guys just yeah. like, you know, sometimes they go and they try to strike the chest area of an opponent and maybe they do dip their head a little, but it's the running back say who dips his head into the head. And you know what I mean? Like those are just really difficult situations or, you know, any 50, 50 call. It just, it's awful to see games change because like a team's top linebacker has to go out because of a, uh, you know, because of a targeting call, which yeah. each conference seems to officiate differently in any way. So I think he's completely right. I thought it was great that he took that stand and said that. The other thing, though, I asked him, I personally asked him this. He was talking about NIL and how, you know, he's excited for the guys. And he's talking about his son and NIL deals and whatnot. And I said, well, coach, if, if you were playing during a time when there was NIL, and I asked this of a lot of coaches, you know, what would your deal be? What would be a brand that you would hook on with or something you would be and he didn't really have an answer uh mm-hmm. but he did say t- his first initial gut reaction when i asked it was subway sandwiches sub- <laughs> sandwiches subs hey, which i thought that's so cincinnati of him like i couldn't well, not even skyline chili though that'd be way more cincinnati i mean i guess but and then he was quickly like i don't know you know i don't think i would have been a big enough deal they always say that but you know, i like to see what their gut reaction is and i thought that was funny a little tidbit for speaking cincinnati. not to get sidetracked but speaking of nil did you see stetson Bennett like less than a day after the national championship was out there for like great clips or sports cuts or one of those like chain uh, Barbara no. super popular and Georgie's like, I had to look good for my like interviews after the game. I'm like, God, come on, Stetson. It's so disgustingly Georgia, but yeah, like sometimes she's <laughs> in an area like, uh, you know, Bo Nix at Auburn with Milo sweet tea. Like that's a very yeah. Southern thing to be like promoting. Like, so there are those like kind of niche things at different schools you can find. Like yeah, UCF I, love I could hearing... do four river smokehouse so easy, which if you don't know, it's a chain of barbecue places in the area. I did, I did yeah. not know that. Well, so I realized it as I said it, but yeah. I should have yeah. asked him what his go-to Subway sandwich is, but maybe next time I see him, next, I, I will. Yeah, next time. Uh, yeah, I mean, anything All else? All right, or, well, that's, that's no, say, that's what I got else other than the uh, You're in the Big 12 in a couple of years' time, top-ranked yeah. recruiting class again in the conference. There's, I mean, for next year, they're going to have to do a reload at a lot of positions, so mm-hmm. I think they'll take a step back is my initial reaction, but I don't think it'll big, be a big step back because they've got a lot of talent. Oh, and a weird transfer thing. Ben Bryant, who was on their team, transferred to Eastern Michigan, transferred back to Cincinnati this year. He'll probably be the quarterback next year. Uh, yeah. Good luck and Godspeed. That's what I say to yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah, they'll probably be very good next year, too. Anyways, Tulane, 1-7 in conference, 2-10 and 10 overall. Incredibly, incredibly strange season with the hurricane uh, mm. completely derailing their first month or so of the year. Mm-hmm. Nearly beat Oklahoma, got blown out by Ole Miss, just a weird season where they look competitive against teams they probably shouldn't have and then didn't show up to other games. Yeah. We like Tulane on this podcast, but it was a bad year overall. I do love Tulane. I do. I still we love both Tulane. Do. You don't have to say I, we. Okay. We, we, we love we like Tulane. Tulane. It's a big Tulane. I have yeah. been trying to get to the bottom of it ever since the season ended. I am no closer to understanding what happened after talking to players. and co- I mean, it is just, I think well, even to them, it's on, like I've talked to, an offensive lineman uh, who we had in the podcast, Corey, Corey Dublin. And he, 
he just, I mean, he had no answers for it. No, he didn't understand it either. I don't blame him for not understanding it. Because Nobody understands been, it. Like I looked at their schedule and said, this is probably going to be a difficult year to take a step forward in the wins loss column at the start of the year. I thought, Hey, I really like Tulane's talent this year, but man, it's a tough out of conference schedule. You know, they're always probably going to lose to Oklahoma and Ole Miss. I thought they'd beat UAB. But like I didn't think that like getting over that like six and six ish mark was likely to happen because it was just so you know tough of a schedule this year. I think if I had to take a guess at what happened was that the hurricane set them back, you know, yeah. in, in terms of their preparation, in terms of their r- rhythm and flow of the season. And then when you're dealing with just like making sure guys know where they're supposed to be on time and like guys who know that their friends and family are okay in Louisiana that sometimes you just can't take the time you need to figure out, Hey, what were the things we did wrong in our first game against Oklahoma? Say, what were the things we did right and grow from those you had? So I think they were a month behind in growing That's yeah. all. as the season goes on. I think that's what it was. I don't think that they'd ever, anyone at Tulane would ever say that's what it is because no, that's not a thing that people like to admit that they were behind for some reason. But yeah. I think that hurricane had a bigger effect on their season than anyone would say. That is really the only thing I, we can hang our hat on at this point because player-wise, they had a lot of talent yeah. on both I sides th- of the ball. I think Pratt Garrett should have been better. He should have taken this a step year. forward that he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. There's but we know that he's there. capable of it because there were times that you would see it, flashes of it he's in games. Very capable. He's got a turnover issue the same way yeah. that I think Clayton Toon had a turnover issue last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love Willie Fritz as a head coach. I really do. I think he's a great head coach. I think he made a offensive coordinator hiring Chip Long that really wasn't working out. Uh, Chip Long's moved on to Georgia Tech. I don't really know that decision from Chip Long other than him saying, hey, that didn't work out year one. Maybe I should hit the reset button on my own career. But Georgia mm-hmm. Tech's a sinking ship for him to jump on. So I don't really know why he would go there. You know, like I don't see how much longer Jeff Collins is going to keep that job as a head coach. That's a whole other side thing. But he's yeah. done. he's not turned it around at all. Hopefully uh, they, they, you know, they just improve from a, from a, I think coaching standpoint would help because I saw a lot of let's do this, even though it's not working. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, again, and I don't like that. I, so. I hate to ride chip long, but I've yeah. on the show said multiple times that there wasn't, he was successful at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but there's plenty of people in the building who were not super fond of him. And that's just, that's Which why is he, funny because the players said that they liked him but yeah. then I don't know. Well, you know I'll say this I, also. I don't know. The offensive lineman at Notre Dame seemed to like Ian book specifically did not from what that's again, that's all rumor. I don't have like Ian book telling me that, but like that's right. what it kind of was like, Hey, this is the thing that's going on here is that he, he doesn't get along with Brian Kelly. He doesn't get along with the quarterback mm-hmm. offensive line really liked him. I think it was a style thing to be honest, but yeah. uh, I don't know. It didn't work either way. We'll have to see it better next year, hopefully. I mean, they can only go up, so that's... Yeah, the, I will say this, the defense showed a lot of improvement of, mm-hmm. as the season went on. I think that Michael Pratt still should take that step forward next year. Since he didn't this year, I expect him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, new OC, though, that's tough. Three OCs in your first three years in college is not easy to deal with. Yeah. No, that, that that's a difficult way to adjust and learn. Like, we might say, why didn't he take a step up? Maybe he just was learning a new offense again, and he had to hit the reset button. You know, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough to say exactly what went wrong because I think there's a lot of factors that go into something like that. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Should be better next year. Yeah. Want to talk about your boy Dana? <laughs> Everyone's boy Dana. All of our greasy haired. I like how I like how everyone tried to say Brandon Jones was leaving and then he didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know we talked about that, pat. but I was going to say one more time though for the people in the back. Emily had it down yeah. pat that he wasn't. Uh, no love for that. I also got no love for my Marshall uh, poll. Yeah, Grant Wells. Grant Wells. Yep. No love. Again, for everyone in the back. Uh, yeah, Houston, though, undefeated yeah. in conference record, lost in the conference championship game, obviously, to Cincinnati. Lost week one to Texas Tech when they really probably shouldn't have because that wasn't a great Texas Tech team. And mm-hmm. you blew a halftime lead. Won the. Birmingham. How long do you think that's going to haunt him? <laughs> I think it's already done. You think they're over it now? I feel like they're going to look back on that as they start this think, next season. As I think 12 wins is a lot of wins for a team that hasn't had a year that good since Tom Herman was there. Mm-hmm. I think that 12 and two feels really, really good. And I 
I just think you get over it pretty quick. Unless once you get to the big 12, if you're Houston, because once again, they're one of those teams head to the big 12 too. You go and lose to Texas tech again a couple of times. Then you're like, wait a minute. Does Texas tech have this number or something like that? But I don't really think, <laughs> it, I don't think it haunts Houston going into next year. I okay. think, I think what haunts Houston more is, you know, the guys moving on. I, you know, I wish I could remember if Clayton tune was using like an extra year to come back or not. I don't know that I've actually seen it. You know, it, that, that's the tough right now. The extra COVID year is killing me because I can't keep track yeah. of back and who's not like that's across actually a really good question. I'm not sure. I've heard and, either way about him. I guess, yeah. I haven't heard either way about a Let's number see. of guys like just if he's no. back, then he's not. I mean, it, 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 there's just no, if he I, mean, hasn't I, said I guess he's coming you, back. Right. I assume he's not. See, but, I would think the opposite. I would think that if he hasn't said he's leaving this, yeah. For everyone who doesn't care, the extra COVID year is absolute murder on people who are trying to do any sort of analysis of a roster <laughs> because yeah. you just don't know who's back and who's not until it's like summer camp. Uh, transfer portal does the same thing. I love that. I think the transfer portal is good for the players and good for the game in the long run. It is absolute yeah. murder on trying to figure out who plays for who. <laughs> you know? uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think during the season, had had Houston beaten Cincinnati for the conference championship, they would have been haunted by that loss. But they didn't. Yeah. They didn't come particularly close to it. So I don't think it's going to haunt them into the offseason. I think they're going to take an SC, a bowl win over an SEC team. And, you know, that weird Birmingham Bowl trophy that Dana was like, bringing around the city of Houston and hanging out. At his <laughs> that house. was peak Twitter for me. I was watching Dana Hogerson take pictures with that trophy in different places. I was loving it. I don't nope. particularly care for Dana Hogerson all the time. As he, I'm sure he's a lot. He's a lot. Most people don't, but I have to say that was peak for me. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think Dana's a really good offensive mind. I think as a human being, he's just a lot. Yeah, I'm like, seeing here. Okay, so look, I'm seeing that that he is going to return. Okay, and then, they're also going to they're also going to get McCaskill back. I knew that because he was only a freshman, right? Obviously, um, and then Dell will also yeah. be back. So we got good offensive pieces coming back to build yeah, on that. Then you know, yeah, I think they might be giving in way too early previews. People are going to look at them as a, a contestant for Cincinnati's crown. Well, I mean, the thing we know, Desmond Ritter's moving on. We know that, yeah. you know, most of that since my, the bigger thing is my Jay Sanders, you know, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, like a lot of that defense, mm-hmm. a lot of those key guys aren't, you're going to have to replace them. And even if you got talent behind them, yeah, replacing them with that much talent is just not easy to do. So that's why since I miss Marcus Jones, though, that's going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's my Mr. Steal Your Girl, Marcus Jones. I love him. He's going to make an NFL team really happy with everything he yes, can do. Yes, he will. Yeah. I can't wait to watch him. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, as long as Cincinnati builds on the goods from the, the, the goods, the mm-hmm. positives from this year, then <laughs> they got they got, <laughs> the good. They got the good. Terrible, terrible word choice. But yeah, as long as they can build on this season, they should be in really good shape for next season. Uh, you know, Dana's not recruiting as well as I think he should be doing, but he's also recruiting well for the conference. I'm going to say this really quickly because I want to remember to say it. The top three teams who finished one, two, three in the conference this year and the top two, three teams for recruiting, according to two, four, seven, because that's always who I use mm-hmm. uh, are both are in both cases. It's the three teams leaving for the big 12, which I think is not an accident by yeah, any means. They're the teams course. getting the best players right now. And they're the teams who are going to have the most talent. And they're probably but which getting, came first, the chicken or the egg? Are they getting the best players because well, they announced they're leaving? Or part of its location, all of them have invested mm-hmm. heavily in facilities. Like they've all done the things to get the best players at this level and to get that promotion that other yeah. schools haven't. Like I know that USF fans don't like when I compare USF and UCF because I do it in their opinion one sidedly. But UCF and what other side is there? I don't well, care about either. And because, I, I, that's a well, non-starter. So UCF invested in facilities. UCF invested in a non-campus stadium. I know it's an aluminum box of a stadium, but it's got a lot of character at the same time. And it's fun to go to games there. And you know what? It's on campus and they fill it up, which is something USF does not do. Yeah. You know, and all those things contributed to better recruiting and to more success on the field because UCF also made better hires with guys like Scott Frost. Yeah, And, you know, 
And now they're going to the Big 12, and USF got passed behind, even though USF should have been the one going because they were in the Big East when UCF was in the MAC. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. Conference USA. I don't know if USF was in the I'd have to double check my timelines, but the point is USF was in the Big East and UCF was going independent to MAC to see USA at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's, you know what I mean? Those are the three teams that did the work to get there. And now we're seeing it at both the top, the top of everything. Let's actually double down. Let's go talk about South Florida now because they're the next <laughs> on my list. Moving uh, up. One and seven, two and 10, same record as Tulane, but Tulane blew the doors off of them. Uh, really close game for them to end the year against UCF in the bounce house. And what they would say was frustrating fra- fashion to lose a game is the referees basically ruled that the clock ran out on them. And it mm-hmm. was, it was a complicated play. It was the, uh, whether or not the ball had been thrown by a quarterback who might've been sacked. And if it was thrown, it was intercepted. So you wanted it to be a sack if you were USF, but if it was a sack, then time ran out because you couldn't have lined up quick enough. And then they, they argued that UCF created delay of game by running around with the ball, but they thought they had intercepted. It was a massive play, but yeah. in the end they lost They're, uh, you know, they didn't really have an impressive win this year. The defense was, abysmal and they uh moved on from their defensive coordinator and are look who did they hire as a new one it was a younger guy again yeah this is i I wanted to do this as a very casual conversation so i didn't like do extensive notes on everything i was gonna say and this is my issue uh charlie weiss jr is headed to old miss no i know that's right yeah he's off to old miss because uh jeff will be the old miss so he's off to oklahoma bob shoop yeah was hired as defensive coordinator for USF. Yep. Okay, there yeah, they go. got Bob Shoup. We'll see if he can turn it around with that defense that just in the week that they got that they made the change, which was going from Tulane to UCF, there was notable improvement in mm-hmm. what the defense was up to. So maybe I think the thing about boy. USF is they played better as the season wore on. Now, to be My fair, concern, they, they Mm-hmm. Not to cut you off is that was how they were the year before too, is they played better mm-hmm. as the season wore on. And then it felt like they reset at the start. Of the they next. reset. Yeah. See, yeah. I have no, I have no like starting point, but just coming in this year and seeing it, it was like, okay, they made adjustments. They got better, but you're right that it, it matters. Like how, what's the jump next year? Like, are you going to take all these things and build on them and refuel, or are you going to start at zero again? Cause you can't do that every year. You can't restart yeah. at zero. It's and, not, I mean, the good news is they've got, they found their quarterback, I think of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found a really great wide receiver in Jimmy Horn, like a, the kind of guy that you're like, you could build your offense around, even though he's a wide receiver, the way like Purdue did with Rondell Moore type talented, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, other than that though, your line play needs a lot of work. Your defense needs a ton of work. I think your head coach, Jeff Scott needs to really figure out his game management because that's something he's been lacking. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of issues still there. They're starting to build more facilities, but that's still being a slow process. Yeah, they have a lot of plans, which is good. So we'll see how that pans out, you know? Yeah, they've had plans for, you know I mean? <laughs> they've had yeah. plans. You know, yeah. you, you hope that they start to get things going because you do want them to be competitive, because they should be. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when you're based in Tampa as a school, you should always be at least competitive. Uh yeah. And that's something they've struggled to do. I do think they improve next season. I don't know how much though, because I don't know how much I, without like doing a deep, deep dive into it. I don't know how much I expect their defense to improve. Yeah. You know? uh, and that's just sort of where they're at for right now. The offense is going to be pretty good. At least if not good, very fun to watch next year though. Yeah. So there's always that you can hang your hat on. Uh, <laughs> oh, and by the way, Jeff Scott is, obsessing with the transfer portal tons of guys coming in to the program really i like that though for him i like yeah. that yeah also obsessing with the transfer portals gus malzahn at ucf our next school to talk about biz they finished third in the conference at five and three with a nine and four overall mm-hmm. record uh ucf fans are going to be mostly i think new ucf fans were realistic about where the team was especially once gabriel got hurt but not, mm-hmm. not hitting 10 wins always stings a little bit once you have a couple years in a row where you are at like 13 and 0, 12 and 1 ish records. You always want to be there. But 9 and 4, I think, for what this roster had uh, was pretty good. Mm-hmm. All things considered, was the defense needed a hard reset after the Hypel era that kind of overlooked it. 
And yeah. the offense obviously was dealing with the injury to Dylan Gabriel and other players who had just graduated. Uh, so I was overall happy with this year. What was frustrating, I'm going to speak as like a fan really quickly. Yeah. What was frustrating was how they lost a couple of games. They shouldn't have lost to Navy. They just shouldn't have. Yeah. They, they that had was crazy. The, they blew a lead to Navy was really the tough part for me because turnovers and just like sloppy play and lack of focus the way they lost to Louisville. It's not that you lost to Louisville. I thought coming to the year that UCF was probably three and one out of conference. It's not that you lost to Louisville. It's the way you lost to Louisville where you had victory. And what, what's the phrase they snatched uh, the law, the snatch defeat from the jaws, from the jaws of, of defeat. Yeah. 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 No, but it's reverse, you know, snatch defeat yes. from the jaws of yes. victory. Uh, and then, traveling to Cincinnati and SMU, SMU who didn't finish all that well in conference, you shouldn't have been blown out the way they got blown. I mean, Cincinnati, maybe you do get blown out like that with a very young, like very raw Mikey Keene starting and just in over his head. Mm -hmm. But both those games were just, I don't think that they should have had their doors blown off just as bad as they did. Uh, Still, I think the future is really bright at the same time. I, you know what I mean? lost the offense scoring gj kinney i always get it wrong because gj <laughs> is such a weird kind of like i know that is initials so. to me mm-hmm. uh but he's going to be the incarnate ward head coach uh oh. so yep replacing him uh it's not really a big deal anyways because gus was like in charge of the offense as it was in my mind it wasn't that important at least a loss i mean mm-hmm. oc still oc everything but uh yeah, hitting the transfer portal hard, brought in John Rice Plumley, the former Ole Miss quarterback turned wide receiver, uh, once Matt Corral took over. Interested to see what hap- what becomes of him and Mikey Keene, if he's going to try to play quarterback or if it's to just be a general athlete. A uh, lot of SEC guys, a few more guys from Auburn are coming over, uh, just landed today as we speak. Uh, a tight end from the University of Florida who was their starting yeah. tight end this past season, you know, a lot of guys like that. Uh, Gamble. I'm excited yeah. for him. That's actually one of my favorite players from this last season. I saw that and I was like, that's yeah. love a good tight end. So, yeah, I mean, and like I said, in, in the couple of years, you're at the big 12 recruiting is going very well right now. So I'm liking everything that Gus is doing. Didn't like the way a couple losses broke, but what can you do? Do you have anything Trying to add? Was that more than time. enough? No, that was more than enough. On to the next. Temple, one and seven in conference, three oh, and God. nine overall with those wins over Akron like, and Wagner. Uh, oh, next. <laughs> do you really want to just skip over it? Because no, I, no. I mean, this is what I'll say. Because we can. No. I think it's just uh, a wash. Like it was clearly. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, was a terrible year. Yeah, it was just all the way around. And in, in the head started at the head coach and and trickled down from there and they've now cleared everything out. It's like a wildfire. You got to let it burn through. Then you clear it out and you start over and you rebuild. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, I know temple fans have been in my mentions on Twitter. Anytime I've said this, but it's a large rebuild project. It's we're talking talking three years before you expect anything. See, but, But I say, I disagree in that. I, I expect to see, a difference next year um, in morale in the way I'm not saying it necessarily translates into big wins, but I do think we see them scoring more points. I Mm. I think we see them finishing games better. They clearly didn't want to be there. And that was so obvious every snap. So I do think we see two wins, one by Moxie at least. Yeah. I mean, I, without looking at their schedule, they probably, I, have didn't an FCS. Look at the I was going to say they probably have an FCS team. They almost always play a Mac team. And then they like to play those like Northeast FBS, like our Northeast power five teams usually for their yeah. other conference. You know what I mean? Like, and who knows? What... I'm going to give them two conference wins just conference because wins. yes, because I think it's mm-hmm. that much of a fresh breath, maybe, a, a maybe. breath of fresh I mean... air that they needed. That's what I feel, but you know, who knows? None of us knows. I'll make this prediction. Yeah. I could look stupid or I could look like I say, brilliant. Come, but... come August, whenever we get around to doing those predictions again for next season, maybe yeah. say 0 and 12, who knows? <laughs> no, I am going to stand by two conference wins based on Moxie alone. That has nothing to do with talent. That I'll have to look at and assess no. later. But... No, and what you said, there's, you're right. There should be complete attitude shift. I was, I think, being too broad when I said that I don't expect to see change for like three years. I don't That's expect fair. to see change in the win-loss column for two, three years. Yeah, you know I, I mean? expect two wins. 
in the I mean, conference just from like mental wellness alone. Okay. What do you think? I know you don't agree and it's fine, no. but I'm telling you, I'm standing no, by. I think they've just got talent deficits. They need to like take the time to like fix, like to or, go and recruit. Or, right? and, like, or not, like, were the players better than we realized? And they just were so depressed well, with everything going on. They, they were better than way. we realized all the starters just transferred out anyways. <laughs> well then good riddance. If they weren't that good, then they'll get some new ones. You know, these coaches that are coming in know that they're, they have time, but they also know that the kind of program they want to run is not what was there. So we're going to see a complete 180. I'm excited to see what it's going to be. And yeah, I, and the great I mean, thing is that other teams are not going to be able to game plan really that well, well until they, uh, they see them, you know? I'll be interesting. What did you think of the hire Stan Drayden who had never been a coordinator as far as I can tell uh running backs coach basically his entire career but then includes sometime in philadelphia back in the mid to late 90s at penn and villanova and also uh you know he was ezekiel elliott ohio state he was just at texas where they've got Bijan robinson mm-hmm. some nfl experience you know he was with the packers he was with the bears i it's a don't very, know how i feel about it to be honest i'm a wait and see super wait and mm-hmm. see on it it could it's work an older it's an older roster of coaches for sure but you know that there's pros and cons and and uh, the nfl no. angle is interesting because a lot of teams are doing that now bringing in nfl I, guys former nfl guys so i'm i'm concerned that he's never been a coordinator of any kind and i know that say you know what the coordinator was never a coordinator before he was a quarterback and he went straight pretty much into coordinating I, oh, sometimes uh, it works Pitt, sometimes it doesn't sam Pittman at arkansas was an offensive line coach you know what i mean before he was the head coach i just i get cons- it feels like he skipped a step and he's 50 years old stan drayden so he didn't skip any steps he's a grown man who has had a long <laughs> career in coaching like you know what yeah. I mean? But he's just, he's such a career running backs coach to me. That's like a little bit strange for me to see him in a different role. And I wonder how he yeah. fits into that other role. And he's got some really good running backs on his resume that he's coached. I just don't know that. You know, I, I just, I'm waiting and see as all yeah. I'll say it again. I'm just waiting. And see that's really, I don't have they, a strong opinion on it. That's all that we can do with temple. So. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to a little bit of a happier uh, situation because this team was a huge surprise. ECU five mm-hmm. and three, seven and five overall. That was a yeah. surprise. It was fun. It was a fun year to watch. It was. Them. I know we were both really high in Mike Houston as a coach. Yeah. This was a great year for him to get over that hump, get bowl eligible. Unfortunately, uh, it got canceled because of yeah. COVID issues within the Boston College program. Uh, Biggest uh, bummer ever. Like so I, sad I, for Mike Houston. <laughs> Yeah. And we, we talked about like the frustration of those on our last show or two shows ago now, whatever it may have been, but mm-hmm. you know what? They deserve to play in that game. The logistics yeah. of scheduling the new bowl game weren't there, especially with how late BC canceled, which I think is a whole other thing of, you know, why are you canceling at the last second? You knew you had COVID issues before that, but. Yeah. Know, we talked about that. It was tough. You know, but. You know, but they got over that up at the same time, and they were a good team this year. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, they took Houston to overtime. They probably should have beaten UCF, but they couldn't quite manage it because winning in Orlando was very difficult. Like, this is a team, you know, App State beat them fair and square, but, you know, they should have beaten South Carolina, who by all accounts was, you know, I mean, that was a winning record in the SEC for South Carolina. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this was a good ECU team. I don't think people appreciate that enough. It's a team that returns a lot of talent on its offensive side of the ball, like good young running backs, a good wide receiving core. Uh, Holton Aylers is another guy who he's played four years now, but he has an extra year if he's choosing to use it. You know what I mean? I, Holton, you can fave. use the transfer portal to fill in whatever gaps you feel like you have. If you need like offensive line help, or if you need to find a quick deep, like pass rusher, there is the transfer portal for that. Yeah, I think they're in a good position to take another jump forward next season on top of this one. I do. I think that's going to be their bar for sure. And and Houston is that kind of guy where every year he gets better and better. That's what's his track record. That's what he does. So exactly. Yeah. The first couple of years, it's kind of like what I just said about Temple. Temple's got three years or so before I really expect to see anything. It was three years or so before I expected to see anything out of Houston and ECU because it was just 
such a rebuild job that you can't expect a year one to bring in your guys and just be good. You need right. to give them time to develop into the program and develop into college and become strong enough to compete at that level. And you know, it pays off if you wait. And I, yeah. I think ECU fans are some of the better fans in the conference. I think they really deserved to have a good season after a lot of bad seasons in a row. <laughs> they deserve it. Exactly. Uh, you know, and I don't think there's anything else I have to say other than they really deserve no, to get good. They, they do. Uh, yeah. Uh, going back to the bad end of the spectrum, it's Navy at three mm. and five in conference, four and eight overall. Incredibly, incredibly difficult schedule for them this year. Didn't do them any help. They still competed well mm. after a really slow start to the year. Really unfortunate circumstances, the way the athletic director there tried to fire Ivan Jasper, the OC, and then Ken Matalolo had to like stop and like save his job, but it still had to be a demotion because of this power struggle over it. And, mm-hmm. you know, once they found that quarterback to run the offense uh, in Ty Lavate, I'm, that's who it was, right? I'm not going crazy. It was Lavate who came in. Yeah. Yes. yes I'm sorry. I, I do that. No, you're all right. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Am I saying the right guy's name? Uh, they were a pretty effective offense, which is what they need to be for the whole team to function, right? And, you yes. know, the wins and losses never came, but hey, they beat Army. They did. That was wild. You were there for that one, too. It was incredible. Yeah. 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 I think once they get, they got, you know, they had all that stuff in the beginning of the year, there was unpleasantness with the, the coaching staff and the issues, you know, between the administration and whatnot. So once they settled that out, it seemed like they had a lot to play for. And I think mm-hmm. beating army is a great way to cap the year. I think we'll see improvement next year, but you know, Ken has been there a long time and I don't know what is his end game and, and how much longer does he plan on doing that? US, I guess is the question. Uh, U.S. federal pension. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't no, really no, know what the. I'd have I, to look into that. I don't know. I saw a quote from him at the start of this past season that if he ever lost the fire and competitiveness, he would just quit and walk away and move back to Hawaii and just live out on the islands. But he yeah. says that's not where he's at. I think he, you know, I think he's one of those guys who looks at the Navy job as a special place. It's the Naval Academy mm-hmm. is a special place, and having that job is a special honor. I don't think he's. I think, you know, if Power 5 Jobs wanted to interview him, he'd probably listen to them. But I think it would take yeah. a very special Power 5 job to make him move on. And not a lot of Power 5 Jobs want to move to the triple option. So I think he's very happy with where he's at. I think he's, a lot of ways, it's a pinnacle job for him. And but I, I think the stuff that happened with the, the administration side and, and all of the yeah. controversy, I think that may wear... Thin. And it, there may come yeah. a point where he doesn't have, you know, that's not part of what he signed up for. And, and any coach would say that, you know, so you've been doing this a long time. You're obviously good at it, but how much do you want to trade that bullshit for coaching football? So just something to think about with him, any coach that's yeah. been doing it that long and then has a year like this where those frustrations are aired to the public, you know, that wasn't in the program. We all read about that stuff and, and you have to wonder, What's going through his head. And it's stuff that never should have gotten to the public either, which is an issue. It's crazy Uh, to me. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's the impossible team to judge every single season. Yes. I think they are. You just don't know. You know, I mean, they're such an outlier in terms of what they represent as a program that I have a very hard time. I have a hard time analyzing a team that's so far, that's so different than the mold. You know, it's just, I agree. It's tricky. I, I think I do my best to understand them. But to give you an honest, <laughs> like to give you an honest prediction of what happens next, I don't think I can. You know no, I mean? None of us. So we just uh, sit back and watch. Yeah. Uh, moving over to Tulsa, who five and three, <laughs> seven and six overall, surprisingly strong season, snuck in with bowl eligibility by beating an SMU team that was in turmoil at the time. Jeez, just free fall. Like absolute like like in like a uh, AEW wrestling match, basically, where they're trying <laughs> to get rid of sunny dykes a day early and you know and it was in, an incredibly weird atmosphere in dallas that day and they won pretty handily then they go and they one of the more fun bowl games in my opinion is the myrtle beach bowl they went yes. there they beat an old dominion team that in their own right had to claw to get there mm-hmm. uh, and i think it i thought about what happened their season because i wrote them off obviously unfairly at the, the start of the year yeah I, 
I think I didn't appreciate at the time how good Oklahoma State was because they played mm-hmm. Oklahoma State pretty close but lost. But I was like, I thought a lot about like Oklahoma State's offense at that point and being like, oh, the offense is no good. That defense was absolutely one of the top like five defenses in the country, though. Yeah. At the same time, you turn it around. Uh, Ohio State didn't feel like Ohio State at the time, but they were still Ohio State. The UC Davis loss was inexplicable, but and I think that also led. <laughs> that's to That's one like, you just like. Yeah. I think that's the one that also led to me like riding them a little bit harder than I needed to, though. Mm-hmm. Because they really they had a very good time in conference. And I'm frankly very glad UCF didn't play them in conference because that never goes well. Yeah. I'm so glad to not be in a conference. Like, again, side note, so glad to be. I'd so much rather play, like, even if Texas and Oklahoma stay next year, I'd rather play Texas and Oklahoma than Tulsa. Like, I don't know what it is, but they just scare the like, or unpredictable like, to a degree, you know? They, and they scare me so much as easy. I think it's, man. I think it's more that you don't know who you're going to be when you play them, as opposed to when you face off against an Alabama or a Georgia or an Oklahoma or Texas, you know who you have to be and what you have to do. But, but with Tulsa, I think what Tulsa, <laughs> I don't did know. A great job in the Philip Montgomery era that they don't get credit for is establishing trenches. Like mm-hmm. they, they win, they often win the offensive line or defensive line battle. Uh, and that's yeah. something that, you know, I mean, two years ago, they obviously had what was an excellent, excellent defense with, you know, a couple of guys that transferred to the uh, SCC, you know, Zavin Collins was a first round draft pick. You know what I mean? Like that was an excellent defense this year. wasn't quite as excellent, but it was still very good because they still controlled the line of scrimmage when they needed to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry for writing off Tulsa early. <laughs> that was my death. No worries. Uh, you have another chance next year to not make that mistake. I'm sure I will. Uh, you know, if I stick my hand in the fire once, I need to try it out a couple more times at least <laughs> before I know for sure it's hot. Fair enough. Uh, Memphis, three and five, six and six. Another team that had their bowl game canceled due to uh, COVID stuff. And that was COVID issues in the Hawaii program. So they got a free Hawaiian vacation. Not bad. Mm. Uh, Seth Hennigan, freshman All American. Okay. Pretty so you're cool. going to start with the positive. Well, Hennigan, I... freshman All American. Uh, yeah. No. I'm upset because Mike Montgomery's gone. Well, I mean, he's got the FIU job. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's not a great job, but he got it was not like he got fired. I know he wanted to be a head coach. He he loves being. I know that. So I, a, I'm not surprised, but I'm sad. In, in a lot of ways. He, he, gave, he gave me a little extra to to root for Memphis because I like to watch yeah. his defense. But um, yeah. but I'm excited was, to see the future of Seth Hennigan. That's really what it is, right? Uh, yeah, he should be growing. What's his so. ceiling? Exactly. Yeah. He's got a lot of growth ahead of him. No more Calvin Austin though. He's off to the NFL. He declared for the draft. Uh, so you lose that top weapon. One of my concerns with Hennigan and he's a freshman, so it's not a major concern was that he targeted uh, Dykes and Austin too much. Like he became too reliant on one, two, one, two, mm-hmm. didn't kind of see the whole that's as time goes on, he should be able to figure out how to like spread it around more, but he's going to have to find a new number one weapon next year. That's yeah. a whole question that you have to figure out if you're him. Uh, the defense struggled at times. Six and six is not a record. Memphis fans were happy with either. I'm yeah. curious about Ryan Silverfield's, how hot his seat is going into next year, because he inherited a team that went to the cotton bowl and he's undeniably regressed in two seasons. Now there's yeah. a reason there's reasons for that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, there's been some attrition from transfers. There's just been those guys that got you to that cotton bowl graduated out of the program. Yeah. But I want to see them find that running game again. That made those Memphis teams great because they couldn't run the ball this year. They became one dimensional with a freshman quarterback and that's not good. It's not smart. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. You know, so I think they've got a lot of growth in front of them if they want to get to where they need to go and, before Memphis fans get really antsy about the direction of the team. And you know what? Memphis is also one of those teams that really thought they should be going to the big 12 and they didn't get the invite. So that's, it's, they were other, upset. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole, it's another level of anxiety. There's certain teams, uh, Memphis, SMU, USF. Those are the three I'm thinking of very specifically. There's a lot of anxiety about getting left behind in those programs. Those are programs that thought that either by their geography, their on-field success or their facilities, or a combination of those three that they mm-hmm. should be going to the big 12 and it didn't happen for them, at least not right now. 
And there's just anxiety about what that means for their future because the AAC is going to change. And it's probably a podcast for a later date talking about what the AAC looks like now versus what it looks like once that change happens. Right. But, you know what I mean? But you have to be anxious if you're in their shoes because you're regressing at a time when the conference is changing. And that's, that's worth being nervous about, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still think very highly of Memphis as a program. I think they're a team that can get a lot of explosive talent in very quickly, but you know, it's a concern. And I do like Seth Hennigan a lot. Yes. Excited for Seth Hennigan's future. Anything else? That's no. it. I was going to say, we're, like I said, we're keeping it nice and casual. We've got one <laughs> last team to do really quickly. Our most middling of average teams in the AAC this year, apparently, which seems strange now that I look at it. It's SMU. Exactly. <laughs> no, not what we thought. You would happen in the beginning four and four in conference the only team 500 with a 500 conference record eight and four overall that's a little bit better than a few of the teams we've already talked about but you know come on four and four in conference that's where it's all about uh the first four was so different than the last, the last four you yeah. know it was no their season yeah. had this such a strange arc to it mm-hmm. uh uh, just the Sonny Dyke saga of <laughs> it being like all, it was being reported that he was getting uh, an offer to extend his contract by more than double what he was making. It would put him in like the 4 million plus range, which is insane money for a G5 coach, but he yeah. wasn't signing it. He wasn't signing it. And when he wasn't signing it, I think you had to start to get nervous about what does that actually mean that he's not signing it? Why wouldn't he right. sign it? That's massive money to be ignoring, to be at the place where you supposedly really want to be in. Everyone knows you want to be in Texas. And TCU opened up and that's your like biggest rival. You know what I mean? It's one of the bigger rivalries. That's a non-conference rivalry in all of college football. Yeah. And he takes the job. And we just, when we were talking about Tulsa, like that atmosphere at the end of the year around him, the hate for him. I mean, he probably didn't even have to put his house on the market, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, but he might've had to move anyways, just so that people didn't know where he lives. Because, I would, I would. Because there's some, hate coming his way yes you know now he's the head coach at tcu which i didn't think was going to happen but i did not i firmly was like that's no way he wouldn't do it yeah that's what i said to myself is no he wouldn't do that he'll sign this massive extension with smu and then he didn't and there's you know a helicopter bringing him onto the field there at uh amon g carter stadium is the name of their stadium tcu right yes i believe so i'm not crazy uh and it was just this huge production he's getting paid obviously more than four plus million because otherwise he probably would have just resigned with smu and extended there uh tcu is i believe a private school so we'll never you never tend to know the money from private schools for sure because they can hide until it, it gets leaked <laughs> yeah but because they can hide it for the most right. part you know you might have a wink wink nudge nudge it's in this range but you know mm-hmm. you'll never know how much Notre Dame's playing Marcus Freeman unless someone wants you to know right for instance uh yeah and that just it put this like really sour taste in your mouth at the end of the season plus like you mentioned they started losing at the end of the year too Bowl game had a chance for this redemption game at the Fenway Bowl that got canceled COVID issues within the Virginia program Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you just, if you're an SMU fan, you have to have this really bitter taste in your mouth at what was a really promising season. And like Tanner Mordecai is going to be back. He's really, really good. I, mm-hmm. you know, I think Grant, uh, Grant Calcaterra is going to be back. I'm not certain. He's really good too. Losing a couple wide receivers, uh, but Ulysses Bentley will be back. He's, he dealt with injury issues all season, like still have some issues to fix on defense in terms of those explosive plays that you allowed. But you know, there was a lot of positives and just got overshadowed by this huge <laughs> negative cloud. Yeah. And at the same time, I think Brett Lashley was a really good hire. I didn't understand it, but and I still don't because I don't he his name doesn't hold a lot of weight with me. But uh people seem to be excited about it, so that's good. Uh they're excited about it because he was the OC when Sunny Dex first got to us. I mean, he was their OC. Mm, that doesn't why. always mean that. I'm just saying why. <laughs> I mean, I guess. But that's he's the guy who was like on the offense that turned things around at SMU a little bit. Okay. And, you know, that that's that's why. I'm just throwing okay. it out there. Uh anyways, yeah, I mean I've got nothing else on SMU for this year. Do you? No, nope, that's it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, those are our teams for this year. I thought it was a 
fun year overall, pretty competitive. I thought, you know, it's always going to be like this where some teams have these like negative spins to their season. Some have incredibly positive ones. Doesn't mean anything for next year. Maybe, maybe not, but yeah, I had fun. We're going to start doing some off season stuff after this, figure out what we're doing next. And yep. uh, it's going to be a good time. Yep. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Absolutely. What a fun first year for me. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, yeah. You can find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. You can find me at MLM on Twitter and Instagram. That's E-M-I-L-N-E-M. With the Instagram. I don't use that. Uh, <laughs> all right. And I think that's everything. So we're off. Bye.